Chapter Twenty Five of Lost for Love by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five. Le voyage qu'ils font n'a ni soleil ni lune. Nul homme n'y peut rien porter de sa fortune tant le maître est jaloux. Le voyage qu'ils font est profond et sans bornes. On le fait à pas lents parmi des faces mornes, et nous le ferons tous. Your fearful minds are thick and misty then, for there sits death, there sits imperious death. A dull, leaden sorrow weighed down Flora's heart after that interview with Mrs. Gurner. There had been a sad sweetness in her grief for the lover she had believed true, a tender mournfulness in every tear, for those tears had seemed tribute paid to the lost, and she had deemed her dead worthy of all tribute. But in the grief she felt for the man who had been false to her, there was nothing but bitterness, the galling sense of self-scorn. Henceforward she was ashamed of her sorrow, and shed her tears in secret, and never more breathed her lover's name, save to God in passionate prayers for the healing balm of forgetfulness. A change came over her from this time, but a change so subtle that no eye except Dr. Ollivant's noted the transformation. There was growing womanliness in her manner. That childlike sweetness which had first bewitched the strong man's senses, till all unawares his heart was won, seemed to have passed out of the girl's nature. She held her head higher, and there was a proud, cold look in those eyes whose expression had once been all softness and pleading. Flora had never been conscious of her pride till it had been outraged, but she wore her new sorrow like the proudest of women. Ignorant of the cause of this change, Dr. Ollivant lost himself in speculation about it. Had Flora discovered all at once that her lover had never been worthy of her and resolved to put away her grief? Had she developed the truth out of her inner consciousness after steadfastly refusing to be convinced by him, Cuthbert Ollivant? He knew not what to think, and dared not question the subject of his doubts. Was it not sufficient bliss for him to be tolerated by her? and so long as she suffered him in her company had he not ample reason for content one hast one rast was his watch-cry his single hope lay in patience not by a word did flora betray her lost lover's secret she told her father nothing of mrs gurner's visit she gathered her shaken senses together an hour or two after that reduced gentlewoman's departure and took Tiny for an airing in the broad walk so as to come in with a breath of fresh air about her when her father returned from the city. Only her pallid cheeks betrayed the mental torture of those three hours. "'Why, baby, you are paler than ever to-day,' said the fond father as he kissed her. "'I am afraid Kensington does not agree with you.' "'I don't think it does particularly well, Papa.' "'Relaxing,' said Mark gravely. "'We'll go to Hampstead.' no no papa that would be too cold for you no love not on this side of november ollivant told me a few days ago that he thought a bracing air would suit me we'll try hampstead flora gave a little sigh of relief it would be something to have done with that drawing-room which had been in a manner poisoned by mrs gurner's presence that sofa yonder on the edge whereof she had sat primly evoked her image strange how grief infects chairs and tables the contemplated change of quarters was discussed with dr ollivant that evening you are tired of kensington then he said to flora i don't care much for it she answered listlessly yet you could hardly have pleasanter rooms or a gayer prospect 
is it gay to see people one knows nothing about riding backwards and forwards she asked cantering up and down up and down as if there were no such thing as care in the world i think i would rather live in a forest where there was nothing but tall black pine trees under a winter sky i fancy you would soon be tired of the forest however let us try hampstead the bracing air may suit you and your papa both he said not a word of the trouble to himself involved in this change his longer journey to and fro he was thankful that flora did not ask to leave the neighbourhood of london altogether a mile or two more or less would make little difference to him she went on with her education bravely after that revelation of walter leyburne's falsehood pinned herself to her task-work attacked verbs and declensions idioms and inversions with a will she wished to thrust her lost lover's image out of her mind to leave no room for fatal memories yet he was with her too often despite her endeavours his eidolon hovered over her as she sat at her desk just as he had stood beside her easel a few weeks ago sometimes she looked round with a wild fancy that she would verily see him standing there in the flesh she had felt an overpowering sense of his presence almost amounting to conviction and listened trembling half expecting to hear his voice invisible impalpable he might yet speak to her she had vague thoughts of spiritualism commune with the dead but these she laughed to scorn in her colder moments reminding herself that since he had never really loved her there could be no sympathy between them strong enough to draw the dead to the living no link to bring him near to her his wandering soul would flutter back to the girl he had really loved and find its nest in that vulgar bosom not to her not to her who had loved him so fondly would his spirit return no amateur preceptor could have desired a more industrious pupil indeed dr ollivant had to recommend less devotion to horace and linnaeus the flowers and the stars the girl's mind ripened rapidly in this intellectual forcing-house she only read the books the doctor brought her and those were all of the highest order of literature the mighty world of natural science opened before her and there were brief intervals of her life in which lost in wonder at the marvels of the universe she forgot how much she had lost in that particular unit whose disappearance had made earth desolate they explored hampstead and its environs and found an old-fashioned cottage at west end in a curious little rural nook where there were a few pretty old houses which seemed to have gone astray from somewhere else and halted there in a fanciful purposeless way the spot being remote from church and post-office and all the vulgar necessities of life in the way of butcher's meat and chandlery the house mr chamney hired was a low rambling place with crinkled rough cast walls and a great many beams about it a cottage set in an odd triangular garden protected by a dense hedge of greenest holly a garden where the dahlias which are the banners of autumn's advance guard were flaming gaily already flora was inclined to be charmed with the place for the first minute and then averted her weary eyes from its beauties with a stifled sigh she thought how walter would have admired the pretty rustic dwelling how fair a background it would have made for one of his favourite genre pictures what was its fairness worth to her without walter that walter who had never been hers mark was pleased with the rusticity of the spot i shall almost feel as if i was at our old station on the darling downs again he said where we used to see a stranger once in three months or so it'll seem quite nice to be ever so far away from the butcher and to have to ride into hampstead for stores flora brightened at her father's pleasure after all she had him he who had never ceased to love her 
whose thoughts from the day of her birth had been all love for her could she be so wicked as to repine to think life empty because of a loss that was no loss only the end of a deception only the awakening from a fond and foolish dream she told herself that she would be happy henceforward that she would make the most of life with her father that happiness was left to her and even that might be brief she flung one wild despairing glance forward to days to come when she might weep and lament amidst a deeper desolation than her mind could compass now fatherless day by day she acquired stronger command over herself and seemed to live only to please and pet her father never was a man so worshipped by an only daughter as mark chamney by this pale thoughtful girl with the grave eyes and pensive mouth to cuthbert her conduct was inexpressibly beautiful he saw the girlish stoic doing silent battle with her grief conquering her womanly heart by the force of filial love she is beyond all measure lovely she is a woman above all other women and i am justified in giving her a measureless love thought the doctor as he rode back to wimpole street after an evening at west end he spent all his evenings there just as he had done at kensington gore and he rode to and fro as the quickest way of travelling rode back to town late on dark starless nights when the finchley road was silent as the wild sheep-walks of queensland one day mr chamney proposed that flora should take to writing the pale wan look of her face alarmed him she smiled at him but her smiles were cheerless it would be good for her to canter along those pretty rustic roads and lanes which lay between west end and edgware the doctor was on the alert at once and volunteered to find her a clever hack with a canter as easy as a slumbrous swing of a rocking-horse and none of those vicious proclivities which are wont to distinguish the equine race mark insisted upon having a hand in the selection and the two men met in the city one morning and had various animals paraded before them till their choice fell upon a well-fed looking bay mare with a mild and cow-like temperament a lymphatic animal tranquil-minded as a childless widow with money in the funds whose business in life was to look prosperous and pretty flora was grateful and tried to seem glad perhaps this gift of the horse a living loving creature whose dark full eyes looked at her gently and whose velvet nostrils seemed to thrill under her caressing touch was just the wisest offering her father could have made her her step grew lighter as she ran backwards and forwards to titania's stable the cow-like bay had been named titania the wide landscape the fresh clear air gave her new life and brought a faint glow to the white cheeks and some touch of the old rose tint to the pale lips she had learned the polite art of horsemanship with a select class of young ladies at a notting hill riding-school during her tutelage at miss mayduke's learned to canter gracefully over the tan of a circular shed and even to jump over a low bar under the doctor's tuition she acquired complete mastery over the mild titania and in due time ceased to be stricken with a kind of mental palsy at the sight of an omnibus or a wagon bearing down upon her kind as the doctor was however flora carefully avoided riding alone with him she had an ever-present dread of a repetition of the scene in tadmore churchyard whenever the two were left alone together so when the doctor spared an afternoon for a ride she contrived that her father should be with them on an honest weight-carrying roadster he had bought for the groom and at other times she rode in the early morning with the groom for her attendant and protector her health improved from this time forward and what with long rustic rides study reading aloud to her father devoted attention to his simple wants and housekeeping the mysteries whereof she was gradually acquiring flora had little time for nursing her secret grief 
god's healing balm of oblivion had been given to her in some small measure her sorrow awoke at times and stung the soft heart where it nestled but it was an endurable sorrow i have my father she said to herself i ought to be happy and hand in hand with this thought went the hope that her father would be spared to her for years to come she had lost so much heaven would surely leave her the remnant of her happiness the first chill winds of october were the signal for a new change of abode sweet as west end cottage was dr ollivant suggested its abandonment mr chamney must winter in a milder climate pinemouth in hampshire would suit him admirably the doctor was careful not to hint at a devonian watering-place so it was settled that they should start for pinemouth on the twentieth the doctor promising to secure rooms for them and to make all things smooth i shall miss my evenings sadly he said and my pupil you can run down to us sometimes perhaps suggested mark perhaps now and then for a few hours on a sunday that would hardly be worth your while said mark oh yes it would replied the doctor with his quiet smile i should not think the journey wasted trouble believe me but i must not give myself as much latitude as i did in the summer my absences were too long and i had to endure some very severe reproaches when i came home especially from the patients who have nothing particular the matter with them flora had taken her last long ride through the lovely lanes her last quiet walk with her father on the heath at sunset and all was ready for their journey to pinemouth when something happened which made the journey impossible and rooted them to west end cottage mark chamney's chronic cough which the doctor had watched with some uneasiness not a particularly bad cough in itself but alarming in such a patient suddenly developed into a sharp attack of bronchitis mark had caught cold somehow in spite of his daughter's unvarying care some wandering blast among the winds that blow had pierced him as with the shaft of death he took to his bed in the old-fashioned lattice-windowed chamber looking towards the green pastures of finchley and harrow's wooded hill from the first cuthbert ollivant knew pretty well what the end must be but how was he to tell flora whose pleading eyes piteously supplicated words of hope and comfort should he tell her the truth at all rather let her feel the last ray of life's sunset beguiled to the very end by hope better for the patient's feeble chance of lengthened days better perhaps for herself when the blow came strength to suffer would come to her somehow from that presiding power whereof the doctor thought but vaguely he told her none of his fears therefore but gave her as much comfort as he dared without actual falsehood he would not give her power to turn upon him by and by and say you deceived me he would not give her reason to despise him mrs ollivant came down to west end to help in the task of nursing or perhaps rather to take care of flora who needed all the care affection could give her as the days went by without bringing signs of recovery and the awful possibility hanging over her began to shape itself in the girl's mind day after day as mark grew weaker less able to speak to her more prone to intervals of wandering speech and brief and broken slumbers flora asked dr ollivant the same agonizing question is there danger for a week he fenced with the difficulty replied in language for the most part technical which left doubt and even hope in the questioner's mind but at last there came one fateful morning when he must either lie to her utterly or tell her the dismal truth yes there was peril it was doubtful if she would have her father with her many more days she shed no tear 
her heart seemed to stand still all her senses to be benumbed for the moment at the leaden touch of that unspeakable grief lip and cheek whitened and she stood looking at the doctor dumbly while he yearned to take her to his breast and comfort her with tears and kisses and tender pitying words as such a child should be comforted why does not god take me too she said at last he would if he were merciful my love we must not question his mercy exclaimed mrs ollivant with a shocked look putting her arms round the girl all his acts are good and wise even when he robs us of our dearest flora pushed her away how dare you preach that to me she cried passionately is it good to part us two who are all the world to each other why may not i die too what use am i in the world when he is gone there will be no one left who cares for me flora you know that is not true said the doctor with grave reproach it was the first time he had ever hinted at his secret since that day in tadmore churchyard no one whom i care for at any rate said flora cruelly she had no mercy upon any one in her great agony hated every one who seemed even by way of consolation to come between her and her dying father how dared they seek to lessen her grief how could she ever grieve enough for him she broke from mrs ollivant's restraining arms and flew upstairs to her father's room and crouched down by his bed determined never more to leave his side the last hours of that ebbing life should be hers and hers only the doctor had brought in a trained nurse mild and skilful but flora was jealous of the hireling's ministrations and would hardly suffer her help one evening after a day of weakness and fitful slumber mark seemed better than he had been from the beginning of his illness his brain clearer his voice stronger it was but one of those latest flashes of the vital spark which illuminate the dusk of life's close but to flora it seemed a promise of recovery her eyes shone with newly kindled hope she trembled with the wild joy that thrilled through every vein he was better he would live the awful doom would be averted mark stretched out his wasted hand uncertainly seeking hers she clasped and kissed it my love i am glad you are so near me i am never away from you dear father i will never leave you till you are well and strong again oh my poor child that will never be yes yes papa you are better to-night my mind is clearer my darling god has given me an interval of reason for all those troublesome dreams strange meaningless dreams that bewilder and oppress me i can think clearly to-night i want to talk about your future flora our future papa she said piteously i have no future without you my dearest love you will live and try to be a bright happy woman useful to others as a woman should be for my sake perhaps in that dim world where death is leading me i may have some knowledge of your life if that be so how sweet it will be to me to know that my darling is fulfilling a woman's fairest destiny loving and beloved happy wife happy mother papa papa you are torturing me i live only for you i have no earthly hope but in you where is ollivant was his mind beginning to wander again she thought the question seemed so wide of their previous talk downstairs papa he is here every evening you know ring the bell baby i want to talk to him 
she obeyed and cuthbert came swiftly in answer to her summons he sat down by the bed on the side opposite flora and mark extended the other feeble hand to his old schoolfellow that's well cuthbert he said i want you with me as well as my darling my cherished only child it seems a hard thing to leave her quite alone in the world friendless unprotected she can never be that while i live answered the doctor eagerly have you not asked me to be her guardian and am i not pledged to guard and cherish her so long as i live i know i know said mark dreamily but there's something else he lapsed into silence his hands still lying wide apart one in flora's clasp the other grasped tight in cuthbert's sinewy fingers neither of them spoke to him his words his breath were too precious flora sat watching his face in the dim light of the distant solitary candle they had been careful to keep the light subdued if i hadn't trusted you do you think i should ever have given you such a charge cuthbert mark asked at length i have been i shall be worthy of that trust answered dr ollivant wherever else i may fail i shall not fail in that i believe it what if i were to make it a greater trust a more sacred charge what if i have read your secret cuthbert papa cried flora pleadingly my love i must speak freely there is a time in every man's life when conventional restraint must end yes ollivant i know your secret such devotion as you have shown has a deeper root than friendship i have read the truth in that grave face of yours honestly as you have tried to hide it you are more than my little girl's guardian you are her lover papa how can you be so cruel when you know yes a girl's fleeting fancy why should it be the blight of a woman's life my pet you were created to bless an honest man's home and my old friend loves you loves you as your first lover never had the power to love god knows it is true said cuthbert and no word beyond the dying father was pleading his cause better than he could have pleaded it there is no earthly wisdom higher than that clear light which comes when death waits at the door take her for your wife ollivant there is no other kind of guardianship that can fitly shield her from the storms of fate you have won her fairly the husband i chose for her is dead and gone and has been mourned sincerely my child will not gainsay her father's last wish her father's last prayer let me put these two hands together as the closing act of my life he drew those opposite hands feebly towards his breast across the narrow bed easy enough to resist that feeble movement yet which of those two could have the heart to oppose him the hands met one with a thrill that was sharp as pain the other dull inert uncomplying although unresisting there children said mark that is a kind of sacrament let neither of you forget this moment if there is any thought or knowledge in the grave i shall think of you united and happy flora drew her hand gently from dr ollivant's and knelt down by the bed sobbing papa she cried when the words could come live for my sake life and the world would be hateful to me without you i cannot care for any one else i cannot think of any one else i have but one buried love and yours 
if i lose you i lose all hush said her father gently at your age life is but beginning perhaps while they are lying warm and dark in their cocoons the butterflies think that life would be bleak without that shelter yet see how happily they flutter in the sunshine when the poor old husk is decayed and forgotten and with this simile mark chamney sank into a gentle slumber from which he woke no more in this lower world a sleep so tranquil that only flora against whose breast his head reposed heard the last long-drawn sigh in the bleak autumnal dawn cuthbert ollivant found her sitting on the bed with her dead father in her arms tearless and with a blank white face whose aspect filled him with terror it was like the face of one whose reason trembled in the balance End of chapter twenty five